Our next guest is one of the great pixel artists of Web3 who's minted hundreds, maybe even thousands of works on the blockchain in trademark purple and beige colors. Today, we're very pleased to welcome Ed Marola to this week's Spaces to discuss all things pixel art. Artist Journal, August 30th, 2023, broadcasting live from Berlin and New York City on Rug Radio via Twitter Spaces. My name is Adrian Pocabelli, and we welcome back to the show co-host, conversationalist, and artist extraordinaire, Runtune. Runtune, how is your week going? Good morning and good afternoon to everyone. Uh, my week's been going all right. I uh, <clears throat> I think I'm getting a little bit of a cold, so I might sound a little froggy today. Well, I guess it's better now than in like mid July. Yeah, but I'm sort totally. Agree. I'm sorry to hear that. There's nothing worse than getting <laughs> sick because the weather is still good, and you know what? Getting a cold sucks in winter too, doesn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Well. I hope you're feeling better. And it's funny you're mentioning earlier that maybe you're going to the dentist and actually it's another day. I, you know, shockingly enough to me, I was actually late for the dentist because I forgot I had an appointment that I made six weeks ago. There I was running (laughs) down the street and 10 minutes late for the dentist, but I made it, thankfully. But I thought quite a... Well, it is pretty uh, intense how, how far out they make you uh, schedule those appointments. Yeah, well, you know... It's it's good, though, in the sense that, and, and you're yeah. right, I mean, I made the next appointment for six months. I like to go every six months uh, just to, uh, you know, sometimes they say, oh, you can wait a year. It's just like, let's just go every six months and uh, maximize all that insurance I'm paying for through the German system, where they cover dental, by the way. Lucky duck. <laughs> Lucky duck, exactly. Exactly. In <laughs> Toronto, yeah, as a freelancer, if you're a contract worker, you have to pay for all that yourself. So here, you know, there are pluses and minuses. But before we get into health insurance discussion, let's welcome Ed Marola to the show. Ed, it's so great to finally have you. I can't believe it's taken so long. How are you doing? So I, I just had to unplug my phone here. But I hope everything will be fine. Yeah, beautiful. Well, it's good to be charged up before these things. There's nothing worse than the battery dying 45 minutes into a show or something. So awesome. So how are you doing, Ed? It's great to finally have you on the show. Yeah, it's uh, it's such an honor. I'm so excited. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a bit nervous, <laughs> I must confess. Well, it's not the Tonight a- Show, so you don't need to worry. I think we had 44 people, which is awesome, by the way. And look, the, the room, it's starting to fill up already. There's Cabeline. From Objects, Santiago, Mikey de la Creme, Rooney Fish, Martin Joe. So it's an all-star cast uh, over here as usual. Yeah. Thankfully, gratefully, and surprisingly. So, yeah, so tell us, Ed. Uh, so what's on your mind? I mean, as you kind of zoom out a little bit, as you take a step back, I mean, you've been on the blockchain for, uh, tell us. Like, I mean, you're one of the first artists that kind of stood out to me when I first started just kind of, you know, moving through all the different collections. And it was the color, I think, as well as the pixel art, but it was actually more the color. I guess it was both, the color and the pixel art, the purple and the blocks, the digital blocks there, the pixels that really stood out to me. You know, I guess 
now that like, I want to get into a little bit about, you know, how you got started and everything, but just right now, like, how are you feeling in the whole uh, blockchain NFT space? I mean, you've been here for a little while. Uh, what are your thoughts? Okay. So, yeah, I started, I started back in March 21. So it was the first month of the Hikenunk thing. And I was there. And I was just hearing some friends talking, oh, there's some crazy guys from uh, Brasilia that that made uh, a website. You can sell digital art. And But to answer your question, how I see it, I still think it's... Uh, I think, it, I think it, we still have time. I think it will be something very common. I don't know how many years from now, but I think that if it if it was to go away, it would it would be gone already. So I think it will stick to us, and I don't know how big it will be in the future, but I don't think I don't think we're disappearing. Not in I never thought, but um, I I, I think it's it's um. Oh, you, you tell me. What, what do you think? Well, I was just going to say, I'm like biting my tongue here as you're speaking, because I, I do agree. And, you know, it's like I tried the Zora experience and I noticed, you know, there's some free mints over there. So I bought them and I hadn't bought on uh, Object for the last few weeks just because I haven't minted anything. And I, yeah, I'm trying to save money, paying for vacations, this sort of thing. So I haven't been collecting too much. And then when I... So, you know, a free mint, awesome. I can collect a Sabato or whomever, uh, you know, Pamelo Sereno on uh, Zora. And it just brought it all back, that thrill of yeah. collecting, right? Like, yeah. I mean, and I think that's all that's missing. Like, it's people just need to try it. And one, it's sort of like crypto. You got to buy it and send it around and do stuff with it. And all of a sudden you get it. And it kind of feels like NFTs are the same thing. Yeah, because it, at the end of the day, it's fun. It's it's fun. It's really fun. And we are gather gather collectors since uh, dawn of humanity, aren't we? Like our ancestors. <laughs> I I really like anthropology, and I think there is this this thing to it. Like we're hunter gatherers, nomads, walking on a lush land with all the sweet things we can climb the trees and grab some of those we have to climb <laughs> more high than than other trees some of the the fruits are just hanging in there you just grab it but yeah i think this sense of exploring a vast space full of new things is it's just in our DNA, so it's it's fun to to walk around the the NFT space and just collect and and you always find stuff you love and it's not expensive, and then you got bite by the the the, <laughs> the NFT bug and you no no I can I can spend more and buy this and spend more and buy this and then you might not be just a collector you might be throwing out seeds in the way too so 
somebody buys something from you and you get that crypto and they'll buy something else from a friend. And yeah, I, I think that that's why I trust it so much. It's fun. I agree. I mean, it almost feels like recess in elementary school or in primary school where you go out and you trade stickers with your friends. And that's almost the part of the day you're most looking forward to as a seven year old is trading yeah. those those cards. And I think it's, you know, hearing you describe uh, everything, it kind of felt like I was inside of Ed Marola. Uh, artwork as you're describing the <laughs> apples and wandering around and the anthropology, you know, and I do think you're onto something with that whole anthropological, uh, you know, side of things. We do like to collect things like there is something kind of very, I don't know if I'd say instinctual, but very natural. Uh, like yeah. we do, like we like to kind of put things together and collect and it's almost like the it's kind of like wealth. Like we kind of like to pile up as much as possible and it, it's never enough, you know? Yeah, yes. And, and then we get, we can so, go into digital garbage someday, but not, not right now. Well, maybe we can go even later in this conversation into digital garbage and, and what that all might mean. So tell me uh, before I hand it off to Runtoon as well here to bring him into the conversation, uh, tell me about the, there's so many things I'd love to talk with you about, whether it's YouTube and everything, but let's start with the art. Uh, and sure. the one of the things I really love about your art is it is almost kind of anthropological. You kind of have these ancient scenes. You have these creatures, mythological. And it all seems to kind of, if you watch, if anybody's watched the YouTube stream, it all seems to come out as kind of an improvisation of sorts. Uh, can you talk about just uh, the the subject matter? of your art and kind of what draws you to your, to these yes. ideas and to these images? Sure. Um, so just, uh, I, I, before, okay, let's go. <laughs> I really, so the anthropology thing, I was studying anthropology and I was about to, to to get a major out of it but some of the classes were not cool enough and I got a job at a, a studio a sound studio so I dropped out of college of university for anthropology but I I really like it I really do like it and when I was a kid I would I wanted to be an archaeologist and just to go searching for old lives and the mysteries of antiquity and all that stuff. So that comes with me and, and it sure translates into my art. And, and the first thing I was, uh, the first idea, the first concept I had into the NFT thing, it was, it was like, oh, and if we just get, get this reminiscence of the civilization back in the far future and since we're just at the beginning of the uh we maybe those i i heard someone say that the first nfts will have archaeological value so it's okay that's good and so i was playing a little bit with that just making those vases and some some thematic uh ancient thematic pixel art but um, 
So yes, and also I think my art is very expressive in the, the way. Oh, we might have we might have lost so now, you a bit, Ed. Make I will sure, never make sure oh, you're not covering. Sorry, make sure you're not covering the uh, cellular thing on your phone or the Wi. Try and get close to the Wi-Fi. We lost you for okay. a little bit there. Okay, it's better now. Yeah, much better. Okay, so I was not. I'm. I'm not that kind of person that will go into small details and open the same artwork and go weeks looking at it and adjusting small things. I'm, I. I just can't. Just most of the time, I can't even start one day and finish the other day. I need to finish that day and just go make that flow because otherwise I get too picky. And I was like that for a few years, but I was, uh, I guess, working on... I, I was a musician before doing NFT. So I was working, making music for TV. And it was very fast paced like the the music would come the the demand would come here in the morning and yeah, we need this to be done by 6 p.m because the show will wear and the music needs to be done so we had to move really fast and i just said i think i got addicted to that feeling of make the fast you can and throw it in the in the air so that's these two Absolutely. I just want to add, and sometimes, you know, being in the, you know, the business world or, you know, it does invoke a certain sort of discipline, I feel, on your practice because that's the money-making world. And in the money-making world, you can't spend three years working on your song uh, to make sure it's the Mona Lisa of music. Like you have to get it out and you have to deliver it. And so you can get to the next thing and make some more money. And I think sometimes there's kind of a benefit to that whole mentality because you become a lot less precious on your art and you start to not treat it as some sort of religious object, exactly. you know, that you, and, 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 and it sounds like you're, you're recovering from that whole, like I definitely recovered. I used to spend a year on a painting on average for three or four years. I did that and it was torture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um yeah. there's a long period oh we may have lost you again we will hold on the line the same thing and then erasing because i didn't like it trying to find a vision trying so yeah i i don't want that anymore for me at the at the moment i decided i'm gonna make one art work a day and throw it in the blockchain and if somebody likes it somebody liked uh, I'm happy if nobody likes it. It's okay. I'm just learning. So at the moment I did that, it started to walk for me. Exactly. I think it's a great attitude to have. Again, to not have this preciousness, to not worry if people don't like your work, right? And just to put it out there and develop a practice, as you know, as you'd say. So, Runtun, come in the conversation here. Uh, do you have anything to say? Uh, yeah. Sorry, I was just enjoying. Uh everything you and Ed were kind of going back and forth about. I, you know, it's funny you guys are talking about this, <clears throat> you know, not being too precious with your work. And there's, I've been thinking a lot about the value of being prolific 
and the advantage that it has. I feel like uh, for people maybe roughly my age and older, uh, we come from a background where you're kind of taught to really work on a craft and just like perfect it. And so much of critique is based around craft. Uh, and I think craft is like such an easy target and it's an easy thing to talk about. Uh, but when it comes to ideas and these sort of less rigid things, it's, it's not as easy to criticize those things or, or it's like, overly easy to criticize those things and very easy to just kind of overlook uh, everything that's going on in a work of art. And I think that Tezos in particular uh, really allows an artist to be prolific. Unless you're successful, you can't really be prolific on blockchains with Ethereum just for gas reasons. Like I myself have dozens of works I'd like to... Uh, to mint on ETH, but I just don't have the money to simply to mint them. Um, and it sounds like I, I'm curious, it, would you, would you say it was the, uh, the music for television days that kind of brought this work ethic, uh, to your practice, Ed, or do you think yeah. that you were just a very like, super fast worker and creative person aside from that? No, I'm not super fast. I'm kind of slow <laughs> with everything well, I do. You're pretty prolific. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, it was. Uh, do, you guys, do you guys know uh, Leon Villena? He, he worked, he, he mints under the images of the week that test too. And he was my boss at the time on TV. And at some point oh, he, he told me, okay. Okay. He told me at one point we were working and I like much better the stuff you do when you don't have time. Because I, I think it comes from a lesson of on minimalism, I guess. So when you don't have time, you just do what it needs and you don't have time to add anything else. You just, okay, this is what it needs, and you just put it out. But uh, I guess being prolific on this on this matter, so to me, it also comes from not identifying myself as a visual artist from the beginning. So I think it must must be very different for someone with a graphic design major or with a graph or um, something like that, that you identify yourself, okay, I'm a visual artist and I'm doing visual arts. So at some point, just feeling like a bit outsider helped me. Okay, okay it's not perfect technique technically perfect but i don't need to because so maybe it helps to get out of your head a little bit and on the ego part you can you you will make mistakes and not feel bad about it maybe well exactly is that exactly like i feel like it's to your point 
it's almost like your ego isn't on the line as much because you haven't identified as a visual artist for the last 20 years. So if all of a sudden you put something out and it doesn't sell or maybe you don't think it's that great, you like there's not as much on the line in a sense. And maybe that's kind of freeing. Right. So and it frees you up to kind of screw up and not feel too bad about it because you're not telling the world for the last 20 years. I am a visual artist. Yes. You know, something that always comes to mind on on this on this train of thought going with like, uh, you know, the advantage of being prolific as an artist is uh, that's in a lot of ways the advantage of Tezos. And I feel like despite how how poorly Tezos is doing now, it's still wildly popular. And that all has to do with the fact that many artists all over the world can continue to mint on Tezos, myself included where they might not be able to on a place like Ethereum. And I'm wondering how in the long run that's going to play out with these these blockchains that are kind of in competition with one another. You know, you might be able to get a really nice price for your work on Ethereum, but what's the point if if it's if it's not moving quickly enough, you know? Yeah. I was wondering if you if either of you might have any thoughts about that. Go for it, Ed. If you have any thoughts. Oh, uh, I had a I had a little uh, problem listening to your question. No, no, Sorry. no problem. No problem at all. Uh, I guess I'll chime in here and say it is interesting. I mean, weirdly, I'm still like, you know, and all. It's just I still see polka dot as this monster. Like I'm actually kind of I like Ethereum and I love Web three and everything. I love Tezos. I love I love all these projects. I think they're just really cool. You know, they're totally uncorporate for the most part. Uh, but I'm still like this huge polka dot person. I just think that thing's going to take over. I could be totally wrong. Kind of bearish on Ethereum for this very reason. Like I I still don't see and like getting to Zora was awesome but man like if if you weren't sent the little bit of ETH to get started I don't know if I would have minted there because it would have been just too much to with the bridging the and then you're connecting your wallet and you you know and then oh yeah and it all costs money and it's just like here I am neck deep in the blockchain and I'm not, you know, wanting to do all that stuff. What about the person who's never even figured out MetaMask, which is like 99.9% of the population? So, it, you know, I, I, the key is, I think, to get beyond this whole, or at least make the wallet where it's just like, here's my name and email or something like that along those lines. And I realize there's a security issue there. But anyway, I don't want to get too deep on the blockchain here, but... That's kind of my thoughts on it. And it sounds like Dot, weirdly, and I don't want to go too far on that, like, it sounds like they've actually got the most kind of figured out on how to actually onboard the masses, but very speculative, obviously, on you my know, side. And this, this also brings up another good point. Uh, I think, well, I guess it doesn't take anything to, to come to object and, and view these as someone who doesn't uh, mint art uh, on the blockchain. Um, but I feel like the people looking at these NFT platforms are the people who are buying and selling or creating on there. And so I do wonder how many people actually see any of the art that's on here. I feel like unless you have a, a wallet, there's not 
the same type of incentive to be kind of like looking at what's out there. And, you know, Ed, you brought this up earlier talking about, um, oh, well, I can't remember exactly what you were saying, but uh, something like the future value of certain art that we see uh, through NFTs. And I think you were talking about it in relation to like, your interest in anthropology and how it's an anthropologically uh, interesting thing to think about what's happening uh, in this space uh, with all the creativity that's happening and new artists using new tools that aren't traditionally very popular or even thought of as, you know, artistic mediums. And... I mean, I guess I'm trying to picture a future where, let's say, Tezos is is collapsed and it's gone to zero and no one uses it anymore. But then there's all this art that's kind of like linked with Tezos. And I'm wondering, you know, who's who will be the type who would be the type of person that's kind of like digging through the archives <laughs> of <laughs> Internet art? <laughs> You know, and I, I can imagine someone coming across your collection and it does very much feel like an excavation, <laughs> just the, the type of imagery that you use and the, the things that it, it, there is something kind of like internet excavation site, Admirola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a fun image. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, and I, and I just want yeah. to say, I, I love the archaeological, the archaeological theme that you have in your work. Oh, and same. Like, I mean, I was just in Rhodes there and it was just, that's like, I'm going to Sicily. Actually, that's my plan in October, late October. And I just want to do an archaeological tour, you know? So again, it's like when I see your work and I see vases, I see almost like cave painting type stuff ancient temples i it to me it's just like a very sophisticated entertainment you know what I mean? so do you have anything more to say on that i mean you said quite a bit on that uh, otherwise we can turn it over to the pixel art side of things but do you have any kind of final thoughts on sort of the kind of archaeological side of things or anything to add yeah 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 uh so i guess part of this is when you're uh, when you're making art coming from a, a country like Brazil or or, or many others that uh, are apart from the the business center of the world and Brazil has a, a very a very cultural thing that it comes with us from centuries that what does it mean to be Brazilian? What does it mean to be an artist in Brazil? And it's part of that. So uh, we, it's very strong among uh, around here in the art scene, in the local art scene, this concepts of decolonization. So we are trying to understand who we are 
just apart from the European and and even North North American uh, influences on apart from those. So we have all these thinkers, all these writers, all these artists that are here, and we have hundreds and thousands of of uh, local tribes in the Amazonia, Amazonic tribes. And and we used to have tribes on all, all the territory, but some of those are vanished. Some of those are reduced to few hundred people. But these people are from the 90s to here. They started going to philosophy. They started doing anthropology and parallel anthropology that is to take those images of of society of understanding and take the take that serious and and integrate that with the and with the the civilized world as old anthropologists would would say so anthropology is such an interesting uh, field of knowledge because it started out as a um, a scientific as a fake science. So it would serve just to prove how uh, white people were better than all the others. So, and you had all those all those very white old man just proving how men are better than women and how whites are better than the rest. And, and they would say that science and then over time and lots of people would just go and have to undo all those uh, racist and those racist logic and the, that racist missing the word in English, so, but that racist theory. Maybe, uh, like, yeah, and prejudice and discrimination and all. Yeah, but at that time, at the early, early, uh, early back century, it was the norm. It was the, it was accepted as science at that time. So they had to change what is science. And this evolutionary yeah, it's evo- social evo- of evolution, that theories of social evolution. They had to get all that theory and just break it. And we're still, still doing that here in Brazil and all over the world, I'm sure, but I'm not exposed to those thinkers. So it's part of that. I like to read those things and digest it in my own way. And my art is is very influenced by this. So uh, Ailton Krenak and other and and some other artists and thinkers. And I I love I love reading those guys and just breaking out this fallacy from the uh, social evolution theories. So yeah, that's the. That's the thing with anthropology and uh, a little bit of that. Yeah, no, that's totally fascinating. And yeah, I, mean, I could imagine. You're making me wish that I 
entered NFTs not as an artist. <laughs> well, I was just about to say, I mean, this is almost like art is anthropology. You yeah, know? well, it's, yeah, exactly. Uh, and you know, all the things that we find interesting about art history wouldn't really uh, happen without sociology and anthropology. I mean, it includes human nature, it includes mm -hmm. archaeology, ancient civilizations, antiquity. Uh, so tell me, Ed, uh, to bring it back then to the surface of the canvas, so to speak. So you're dealing with a lot of, it's kind of interesting. So all, I guess the issues you're bringing up here, it, it would, if I had to guess, it seems like they are kind of indirectly inside your work. So I guess, do you agree with that? And another very simple question, like, do you think of yourself as a Brazilian artist? Oh, oh man, I don't know what happens, but every time I'm I'm on a Twitter space, the it just cuts a lot. So I I just hear words of what you said. Sorry. Can, can oh, you ask no again? worries, no worries. Let me know. I, absolutely, absolutely. I was asking. It seems like some of the issues you're mentioning regarding to, you know, col the colonial past of Brazil, they seem to show up in your work, but they're not what you'd say d didactic. They're not obvious. They're kind of indirect, perhaps. Yes. And I guess what I was asking you is what, so maybe comment on that and uh, if that is the case. And do you consider yourself a Brazilian artist? Okay. Uh, now I heard. Um, I don't, so it's very, it, it, it's, it's not obvious. Yes. I understand. I believe that it's not obvious at all. And it's part of how I, um, it's not my main thing. It's just, uh, it's just the background. So my own, my very uh, my first thing, like what I I would say, like the the flag that I hold is is the flag of dreams. So that's my main research field, I would say. Uh, I love that subject and how and, and that's more directly in my work the dream thing and it's well yeah please talk <laughs> yeah well it makes a lot of sense to me because again i think of your work the artist is dreaming which almost seemed like i mean i don't want to overstate it but almost like a manifesto of sorts it was a brilliant work i mean can you talk a little bit about making that work that was on object one i mean it was everybody loved it that i talked to i mean it was just like it was an incredible work yeah. So yes, I think that that was something I was trying to do before I was doing NFTs. So uh, just making animations and making films and making films with pixel art, aesthetics, and yes, that that one hit hard, I guess. I was really happy with the results too. Um, yeah, dreams are, are the main subject for me 
and all the other that background it's it's the background uh the artist dreamy that was that that was a piece of work I did. it took me a few weeks strangely not very common but i can understand now how it may benefit to take the anxiety aside and work on the same thing for a few weeks to make it nice and i think it was it is a direct uh sound the metallica video and it's the same technique i of, was just uh, thinking that yeah one large canvas and just we we just go exploring that canvas on a zoom in and maybe at some time i'll be able to make a video with cuts and angles and more like an animation but for now i really like this idea of exploring one canvas like just like a game too right you you go exploring that um it is well, excellent sorry yeah. go ahead no i, I don't well, know well it, it is uh sorry we have a bit of a delay here uh it is uh, one of the beautiful things about doing dreams is you can kind of do whatever you want, right? It's kind of whatever feels right. And then you don't, it doesn't even need to make too much sense. So it's kind of a really great approach. Uh, and you mentioned games and video games and how there's almost like a video game aspect to those two works, which I totally saw as related as well, probably because the canvas was moving. They're kind of more story oriented. Uh, so tell us a little bit, how much have video games influenced uh, your practice? Yeah, video games, of course, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you can talk about pixel art and not mentioning video games. So I was, I was uh, on Mario and Zelda, and I'm, I'm one of those... I, I was born in 86, so... I was I was there for the the nineties gaming and the sixteen bits gaming and Zelda of course it's uh it it lives deep in my heart and most recently I did spend like ten years uh playing SimCity four and I would have all the add-ons from the. <laughs> there was a, there, there was a, a an internet forum for the SimCity addicts, and I was there. And people would make custom buildings, and I would just download them all and have. And people would even make diaries for the city. And oh, I'm the mayor. This happened. This happened. Make history. <laughs> and I was one of those lunatics. So yeah, after that, uh, after that, that that was it for me with games. I I did play a little bit of PlayStation Three, and but not so much. I'm not such a gamer. Uh, I don't identify myself as a gamer, but for sure on those '90s and early 200s, I was I was playing video games and. Apart from it, I think it's too 
stuck into our heads, like the the video game, uh, the the video game change our ourselves. So yeah, Pixel has that I, for sure. I, you yeah. know, I I definitely think that we have a lot to owe to video games and. You know, I, I grew up playing a lot of video games myself. I don't anymore because I'm too busy, but uh, I don't identify. I never really did identify as a gamer either, Ed. But, um, you know, I you do see a lot of behavior with video games where people are putting pouring in lots of talent, lots of effort to expand upon a universe that matters to them as a collective. So, like, you know, I mean, a lot of wasn't Bitcoin created for the sake of video games, anyways, or like you know, online digital gaming communities. You know, I think there's more than just pixel art for what we what we owe to the phenomenon of video games. Yes, did I, you I, catch all that, Ed? Uh, yeah, I I still I do think that video games changed the way we we think about ourselves because now we are we are um this generation like from the 90s forward we are expected like an anthropological view <laughs> we are accepted to break our egos into or and break our self, sense of self into different avatars and to operate in different worlds according to that rules of that game. So uh, it's something very different from the last generations. People didn't have that. And of course, the play thing is much older than video games. You would play and you would play around and taking different personalities depending on the game you're playing but the video games have this sense of agency the sense of what i do affects the the the, the environment and i think it's i think it's constitutional of ourselves in a very deep level yeah much more than just aesthetics is psychological I right guess. and much more than just much more than just simply a game like i think uh there's something interesting when you look at video games where you know you could break it down and just say oh it's just a game or there's there's a goal like you know kind of like i i think of my parents generation just kind of like not really getting what that what video games are they think of it in terms of like you know playing a card game but it's there's so much more involved with it or whatever. But uh, I think the experience of playing those early video games, especially like you were talking about Zelda and Mario, what they do is they subject a bunch of people to a, a certain type of experience that is aesthetic and, and experienced in a similar way and it becomes a shared experience that groups of people can gather around. And just like any good novel, you can create lore and backstory and context. And there's a lot to 
to respond to. And in a similar way, like you can take that gamification of something and apply it to really anything. You could apply it to social media. You could apply it to NFTs. You could apply it to art. And <clears throat> sorry, my throat is bothering me today. And it does something more than just, uh, you know, it's more than just a game at that point, you know, like there's, there's a lot you can, it open, it creates, it creates worlds. And I don't know, there's, there's, I know that there've been studies about uh, video games and how to make them more effective and stuff, but I don't know if you've ever come across anything anthropological, uh, you know, from the lens of anthropology. Um, Ed, you're the anthropologist. Any thoughts? There? <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass. I, I'm going to shoot the puck over to you, Ed. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. So, um, uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm really inspired by the. I forgot his name now, but the Sim City creator. Uh, he has some. Uh, we Oh yeah. We write. He has some nice lectures on the on YouTube and, and that uh, on, on the internet as well uh, uh, on a, wasn't he has a very city creator was, was he an anthropologist or what was he, he created the game to teach people about city planning. Uh, no, Isn't that right? I, I'm not sure if he is, I'm not sure. Uh, but, but the, the, the seams and all that, he, he says his, his gaming games are like tools for human expression. And, and at that point, I would say, yes, it's very similar to dreaming. Playing in dreaming are similar on this, on this, uh, sense that, they are manifestations of our imagination and our intelligence that we know that's not real. It's not um, reality. We're, we're not de dealing with reality, but we are making connections in our brains and getting ourselves ready for that kind of situation. So it's like a test net. So dreams, playing games, and of course, um, um, this kind of uh, or, or um, joking or uh, many other verbs before this, but this kind of uh, activities, they are they are not dealing with reality, but they are making our brains ready for reality. So I love that. Ooh, quick follow-up on the video game idea then i mean last week we were talking about photography as being kind of this paradigm shift or this kind of new way of seeing the world and do you think that video games ed are kind of analogous or similar to photography in how it might have kind of impacted our kind of visual understanding or visual development what, what do you think about that Wow, that's a deep question. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> well, uh, like, I, I mean, again, the yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, 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 
I don't know, man. Uh, okay, because I see the pixel art, and again, the pixel art seems to be, again, as you were almost saying, uh, kind of almost influenced and coming out of the video game, uh, you know, domain. So uh, it does, you know, and I see the cities, for example, in your work, it kind of makes, like, did those kind of, do you think they're kind of directly or maybe subconsciously influenced by, say, games like SimCity? Oh, for sure, yes. SimCity is uh, sure. it's engraved that. in my in my brain, and then and and in, I I must say in a lot of brains are out there. <laughs> SimCity is so great. Oh, it makes me want to play SimCity right now. I'm just gonna download it again and. I got. <laughs> I gotta say, there weren't many games that I played, but I did play SimCity, and I loved it. You know, it really is kind of like, it's kind of like virtual governance, you know, it's like how to build a city and it is kind of like, uh, you know, Robinson Crusoe type thing. Like, what are you, how are you, you're building a world. And interestingly, I think to Runtoon's earlier point, it's almost like these are like creations of sorts and because people really become attached to them, right? Yeah. It's like organizing your thoughts so, in, 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 in fake Pixel buildings. <laughs> exactly. Now, I want to uh, I want to transition a little bit to. There's something I want to ask you before, and uh, feel free to put a request. Anybody out there that is listening in, feel free to put a request to join the conversation. Ask Ed Marola a question. I did want to ask you about the color, Ed. Uh, oh yeah. The uh, the purple and. Because that was how I first kind of understood and recognized your work. It was like, that's the guy that uses purple all the time. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the color? Sure, sure. Yeah, I would. I was to talk about it in the beginning, but then we got distracted by human nature. <laughs> so um, the color thing, <laughs> the color thing was... Uh, I can tell the story of the color as a nice, let's begin with the nice. So it all started with a vision I had one day and I was thinking, okay, who will be the first person to, to get born in the space? I don't think that we have any humans uh, getting born outside of the, the the planet yet but eventually one day someone will they will send someone pregnant to the space or some astronaut will get pregnant in space and deliver a baby over there so the when you're gonna look for this person zodiac and <laughs> What's their solar revolution and their solar? Uh, there's what there. I don't know how to say that in English, but that if it's a piece, pieces or a Virgo or a, a something like that, oh, they, the, they will yeah, need the to astrological, help. yeah, their astrological, sorry, the astrological thing. sign, yeah, yeah. They the the astral astrologist will have to make a different calculation, right? So it started with this uh, question 
And <laughs> that question, I was okay. And how will be the colonies and what they, will they need and how will be the spaceship built? And I think they, they will need a lot of purple because the purple, um, the full the full spectrum light for the to grow. If you want to, to grow plants in the space, you need that purple light. It's full spectrum and it has the 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 I don't know the the, the kind of light that plants need to grow. So those those spaces will probably be very purple and we will have lots of purple. And I was trying was figuring out a story, and that was during pandemic, so we had a lot of free time to roam around in the universe, I guess. I was unemployed at the time, so I was just writing a novel. And I come across with this image of a very purple place and this guy working on the plantations in the... So purple comes from there. And at the same time, it was a, it was a choice. It was a branding choice. So I, I was working with music branding. So I had a lot of branding understanding. So I said I was thinking to myself, okay, if I'm gonna start this new thing, I'm just gonna stick to very minimal things, so that I get used to using the tools and drawing. I was not any drawing, so I'm just going to stick to few colors and two colors and just start with start there. So that's why it was purple. And the other color, I don't know, don't need, still don't know how to call them a salmon or a beige or a, a fade out pink. That other color was just to make good contrast. <laughs> I, think. I like that. <laughs> it, it does make but a yeah. good contrast, and they do go kind of naturally together. I have to say, I did not expect you to have such an elaborate answer as to, you know, what are the astrologists going to do when people are <laughs> born in space? This changes everything. And that's why <laughs> I use purple, ultraviolet purple. Okay, that's amazing. I'm so glad you asked about color. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I felt like we got like a precious you know, digital document here, recorded here of Ed Marola on the purple. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you don't know who we are. Wel welcome to the stage. Uh, do you have a question, comment and for Ed Marola? And where are you calling from again? Hi. Hi, everyone. Um, thanks for having me on the space. And right now I, uh, we're calling from Mato Grosso do Sul, Campo Grande, because we are and that travel for 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 the festival of Bonito, the winter festival that I with I talked about, and it's a pleasure to be here. And I I have I have to say that I love Ed Marola works. It's a pleasure that he's a Brazilian too, and I was loving to hear uh, about his thoughts and everything. And I don't know I I want to ask him and if. Uh, you live in, in Rio de Janeiro, right? <laughs> yes, Rio de Janeiro. Yes. yes. Yeah. So I, I wanted, yeah, I wanted to to ask you about like 
uh, how living in you affects your your work you know like your subject and how how i don't know how the cultural scene uh, affects your work and uh, some reference i don't know uh, i just wanted to, to ask this for you <laughs> yes um yeah nice question i i'm so first thing beleza aí meu velho pô satisfação tá falando aí <laughs> And, uh, aí sim, caralho, é nóis, mano. <laughs> Falar um pouquinho de, de brasileiro aqui. But, uh, for, I guess, I don't bring a lot of uh, my local city reference into the, into the NFT, but a little bit, yes. So, we have this artist that is called Helio Oiticica, and... And I really love his work, and he's from from Rio. Um, it influences me a little bit more in the music, I guess. That that based out down bossa nova things, and and that uh, or maybe that uh, samba rock from um, other kind of music. Maybe that influences heavier on music, but a little bit of uh, car carnival, yes, too. So the Brazilian fest festivities and carnival, of course, being the biggest one here, it it will it will sometime pop out in the in the androgynous figures or the nudity. Or maybe on the on, on the the costumes of some characters, it will show there. But I don't. I I wouldn't say it's uh, among here. If you look at my work from a local culture thing, I, I don't think I'll fit very much into the. Maybe a little bit of the naive, naive um, thing, like just as unknown collector was talking in the object one drop, and some artists, some naive artists from Rio, and but from Brazil as a whole, I would identify a bit more. Like it's not a local thing, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, fascinating question. It's great to get a local question there from you don't know who we are. Feel free to stay on stage and stay in the conversation here. Uh, so just on the influence then, because you mentioned some artists that you're influenced by, but you also mentioned, you know, Unknown Collectors, awesome digitally native show. And almost like for me, like what makes often folk art, folk art or, you know, naive uh, art is sometimes called you know is it's not necessarily super attached to the tradition now do you have are you kind of how influenced are you by say the you know painting tradition you know of the last you know 10 centuries or whatever like is it a big impact on you does it not very much uh, how does influence yeah. uh, come into your work so um i really love um we have here 
so I'm going back again. No, let's not do that. Uh, I, I'm really influenced by... So first thing, my, my mother, she was an art teacher and she's an artist, not teacher anymore. She's just an artist nowadays. And she will, she was for sure a huge reference for me. So taking me to art shows from very early. And I remember just being a really young kid and looking at Asher works and that and those impossible structures and of course Salvador Dali with surrealism and being exposed to that as a kid and she would she would talk to me about what was surrealism why was he painting stuff that doesn't exist and all that so that sure um, influenced me a lot and through my own explorations, also Hieronymus Bosch, for sure that, so you can understand that craziness comes from different times. And then of also going back to anthropology schools and going into, uh, onto myths and anthropomorphic figures from different cultures everywhere and tales of world um, uh, cosmogony and how was the world born in different cultures and that that stuff just makes you understand that uh, apart from the scientific world there is so much more and so much poetry in the in how we understand reality. So, yeah, looking at, at this kind of art too, that is not designed or it's not made for artistic, but to explain how the world works. So, yeah, some, some Hopi gods and some local gods from the Amazonian and... Tibetan Book of Dead and old tapes, uh, old mantles, old tapestry from around the world and Asia as well. Yeah, this this is what gets me tickle. So much more than just making it realistic or making it look like a picture, more like exploring the unknown. Well, beautifully put, Ed, and it sounds like you have a pretty cool mom. And again, it sounds like you are calling from an Ed Marola painting uh, with the birds in the background there. Uh, I love it. So a uh, couple of more questions uh, from me just as we're wrapping up. And again, anybody that wants to ask Ed a question or comment, come join the conversation. Uh, feel free to request to speak. Uh, I have a question on your software. Sure. You are a heavy user, we might say, a heavy user of Asprite, if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, did you start with Asprite? Did you have to kind of try out a few different things and then you found it, you know, what you were looking for in Asprite? Or was it just the first thing you tried and you're like, yeah, this will work? No, I was, 
I was working with a few of the, I, I guess it's called Piscal or, or some other pixel art software, but it's not something you need to download. You just draw, draw it straight from the, the browser. And I think uh, at, RJ uses that. Sorry, continue. Yeah. Oh, RJ uses that? Nice. And I think then, he uses some sort of browser pixel art, but sorry, continue, continue. Okay. At some point I was just, um, I was, okay, I really like it. Let me go deeper and made a quick research and a Sprite, I think it's pronounced like that too. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, it just popped out as, as a uh, very lots of people will say it's the best one. So I was, okay, let me try it. And it's really fun. It's light on the computer. It's, it looks good. It looks like you're drawing on an old software. So yeah. I, I love it. And, and do you, uh, yeah, I can, I can tell as I watch your YouTube videos, which I want to go to next, but uh, just before we do, like I saw you did some experiments with MidJourney and AI. How often do you go to other softwares or tools or do you stay mostly inside Aspire? So um, as far as tools, at some point I did sell a little, little bit of my Tezos and got me a iPad. So that comes with the Procreate thing. And, and it's really cool too. I get to explore a, a, another side of the the drawing and the, the Apple Pen. It's it's kind of uh, amazing. Every time I use it, it's, it's magical because in the in the pen I use in the a, a sprite, it's I'm drawing in the I'm not drawing the screen, right? So there's a little bit of unpreciseness. But on the iPad, you're just drawing directly on the, the screen. It's cool. and But it's just two. Those two, I will work like 99% of the time. I was exploring the AI and the mid-journeys a bit um, last year. But this year, I, I stopped. I stopped. Using that, I was. I thought I was using it too much. <laughs> this is making it too easy. <laughs> I want to exercise my brain into making more. I don't know. Uh, I I like using it, but I I like not using it a little bit more. I feel it, like I totally it, understand. I love that answer. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, it... um, okay. Go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, sorry, there's a bit of a delay so, on our uh, conversation here. So. Uh, just to make, sh just to explain myself, I guess the the AI tools. I was using it to create the um, the composition. And at some point I was thinking, oh, it's boring. I, it, it bored me because the funnest part was I, I lost sense of discovery. 
So when I'm doing the compositions, I'm I'm discovering myself. And at some point, I thought I was just turning mechanic into my process. So I doing it, but I I understand now, and I have some conversations with my wife on that, and she will all see my arts and say this one was AI traced over AI, this one was not. And this one was, and this one, and her favorites are the one over AI. So of course it has a oh, good. They are the ones over AI. <laughs> yeah, she loves the the That's one that hilarious. I used AI. So they are just better, she says. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. And then I started doing a little. I, I started tricking her. So sometimes she would say, "Oh, this one was traced over <laughs> AI." I say no, no, no. This one is mine, so it, it serves as, as education too, I guess. But at this That's point, hilarious, I'm... and I kind of know. It... I was just going to say, uh, you know, it seems like AI—it's having a bit of a lull, or it's slowing down a bit. Like I don't see there's. It doesn't seem to have the same excitement, let's say, as it did two or three months ago, and that could change with an update in mid journey or stable diffusion, but it does seem to be in a little bit of a slow period, so to speak, where in a sense, the novelty of AI has kind of started to wear off a little bit. Um, and I kind of know what you mean as well. Just like I have like 15 or 20 works that I say they're pretty good, but I haven't rushed to mint them, you know, use making may AI, or at least so, so I thought they were. And I kind of I feel what you're saying as far as uh, it's almost I don't want to say it's too easy, but there is a sense that maybe it's a little too easy. And some of the fun has been kind of taken out of the process a little bit when you're just kind of selecting and choosing and selecting. But uh, but yeah, very preliminary uh, thoughts on that. Yes, it's so, it's not. Oh, sure. Please. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, there's a bit of a delay. Go go for it. No, I, I'm trying to preach on use of AI. Not, not, not for a bit. Like, it's just me. It's just that my favorite part of the process is staring at the blank page. So when I'm using AI, I kind of lose that. So maybe I need to understand how a little bit better how to use it. And at time I I, I don't want to pay them <laughs> no money so yeah to use it and the free ones are really I I didn't like I want to train I I was listening to few people talking on on training the AI and and team team Sassanti, amazing director for the Metallica video, he was saying, oh, how can you do that? So I, I'm gonna ask him to to teach me at some point. So he told me I need a few hundred images of my own, and I that's something I want to do, like train the AI with my art and see what comes out. Maybe that's next step, but I'm not there yet. I, I have to say that was the most satisfying 
kind of work that I was making. It's the only kind of work I kind of wanted to release was work that was using my own work, you know, or AI that was kind of combining and kind of playing with my own work. Because then it kind of, you still feel maybe it's not too easy and maybe it would be hard for someone else to make these works unless they went to your website, took your images and started uh, doing stuff with it. Uh, so just as we're wrapping up here, tell us about the YouTube a little bit. I tuned in, tuned into the last one. I think it was the first one uh, streaming. I was watching when you had one watcher just at the very start of the show. And I was so impressed at the production. Like you have your, I love how you have your voice on a bit of a delay where it's like 30 seconds later, you hear quieter version of what you were saying 30 seconds ago. And then you have this streaming sort of uh, stuff on the left of the screen to just, it's, it's become quite a production. I, I'm super impressed oh, by it. Do you have any thoughts? That, yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> that delay was not intentional. <laughs> I, you know what? Really, because I loved it. <laughs> That was uh, that was me monitoring the YouTube output without muting it. Right. So right, like no headphones, that... basically. I I think it was a happy accident, Ed. Because I was like, this is you know, it, back to the dream idea. I was like, this is like very surreal. This whole situation, and it was one of my favorite parts. I would keep it if you can. <laughs> So yeah, uh, 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 sorry, I, I didn't get to to hear a, your whole question. Sorry. Oh, I was just saying that the delay was one of my favorite parts of your uh, YouTube that I saw, and that uh, if you can, you should keep it. It's worth keeping. I, I thought it was kind of like very okay. dreamlike. Maybe I can so... incorporate effects into my voice and. And that won't be such a hustle because I'm using OBS and it and it imports the sound effects from my from my Ableton, so I can put the sound effects on the, the voice and yeah. But <laughs> oh, I, I, or, there was or another. Just do what you were doing. Yeah, on the other episode, there was. There was a, an echo that you couldn't hear anything I was saying. And I was like recording 40 minutes with uh, nobody understanding a word I was saying. So, yeah, I'm still figuring out. <laughs> that, that is quite dreamlike. Yeah. Yes. It, Hilarious. It, it, Hilarious. Awesome. But I, well, I'm having a lot fun recording those a lot of fun i wish i had more time to record more well i hope you keep doing it and because it's super cool and i think it's a, actually a really nice addition like if you were to imagine like the ed marola retrospective that's a room right there or that's a, a wall where you have you know the pixel art uh, master class and it's frankly it's awesome as like for me it's like oh okay like and i see you at work you totally it's like seeing pollock paint it's like picasso with the mirror or the piece of glass that he was painting on it's awesome <laughs> so keep doing it oh cool yeah i will it's it's really fun it's really fun i love doing those
and I'm starting to understand like a little bit better how to make nice drawings life because the first ones I didn't like it very much because I was too uh, I guess I was too distracted by the fact that I, that I was recording but it becomes a little bit natural after a dozen so I guess I recorded at oh, this totally. point I'm going for 15th so yes it it starts wow. to become more natural and I, I remember I used to stream a little bit on what was the it was that one that Amazon Twitch on Twitch I was doing a little bit of streaming unfortunately all those get deleted after 30 days I didn't realize but what I found is I once you turn on the record or the the going live the broadcast button uh, when you're making art live uh, it kind of really puts the pressure on. Like, it's like, okay, I better do something. There's no sort of like, oh, I'm going to get a glass of water, going to refill my coffee. It's like, you have a show going on and uh, it's you got to do something. Yeah, it brings that, that ad ad adrenaline in. Exactly, exactly. And I love that, actually. That uh, so... You don't know who we are has another uh, comment here. Come in the conversation. You don't know who we are as we are wrapping up here. Yeah, yeah. I just want to to add that I also watched some master class, and it's it's amazing because it's a it's a very good production production, and I don't know. It's it's very nice to see the work in progress, you know, and to to listen to Ed. Marola uh, saying what he's doing and listening to to music because I don't know I I think I was more into the visual works you know I I, I knew some music but not not too much and I was like oh my god he's recording like for one hour and I'm hearing and I, I'm I'm listening so much music and oh there's a lot of <laughs> Of musical work too, so I I think it, it's uh give more uh more complexity to to the artist and I don't know after I saw the work minted I was like oh I have to collect it because I I saw I saw the the creation you know so I think it's a a, a very amazing idea how to connect with the audience and to get more 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 adapting to the to work you know oh A any thoughts on that ed do you have a cool. response cool cool thank you thank you my friend uh it's uh yeah i i have i want to go i gonna go into making music live there too so that will be next steps and I'm getting ready for a, a real life in real life event we'll be doing with the Pupila Dilatada crew and for we're gonna have um, installation in an art museum here in Rio in two months and I'll be doing live music there and so I, I wanna develop a little bit more my live music abilities so 
Maybe next episodes will not be 100% about pixel art and some will have more new music because the music you hear in the channel, it's the same uh, loop every time. It's just old means it, it's like a three hour, it, it's a three hour sound file that I play every time. It's the same, but I have new music I wanna I wanna put in the next episodes and playing a little bit with live music too. And yeah, who knows if that might work. <laughs> it's experimental, so I'm sure it will. Yeah. I, I'm sure it will. And the uh that three hour loop you have is brilliant. Like you could keep using that if you wanted to. You know, and I haven't forgot about the Pixel Network. I maybe did while I was in uh, Rhodes on vacation there, but we should still set up a little page and just put all our videos on the same page at pixelnetwork.com or something and uh, run with it. Uh, but maybe a chat for another day. Uh, Ed, do you have any final thoughts for us as we are wrapping up here uh, with the show? We've got a lot of people in the room here. Any anything we haven't talked about, or just any big picture thoughts as we uh, wrap up here? Oh, I wanna thank you. I wanna thank you very much for doing these talks and doing your show. That is, I think it brings so much to the community and and makes us. Uh, I remember first time I saw your show because. You did collect one of the music uh, tokens I did, artworks I did, and and someone told me, oh, he talked about you in his show. Like, what show? Who is he? And then I saw your name, and I was digging into your episodes, and oh, I'm there, I'm there. I was so excited, and and now it's something I I, I always go to see the next episode, and. Sometimes I don't have time to watch the full thing. And I was like, oh, I need to catch up later. But every day you're just putting the work in like, oh, it's like one hour every day. And I'm sure you need a little it's bit time long. of preparation. It's yeah, it's a, it's a big work you're doing. So I want to thank you for that. That That is my end here. Just thank you. And I really want you to... And I, I, you know it, but it's so important to all of us. It's it's not it's not common that someone, uh, a non person on the another side of the planet, will look at your work and examine it and talk good things about it for free. It's, it, this is amazing what you do, man. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you. Well, it just warms my heart to hear that, Ed, and it's just really nice for you to say that. Again, it's just a journal, you know, really is all it is. And I'm just thrilled that some people want to watch it and spend some time uh, watching it. So I totally appreciate it. And I was just thinking to myself, you may be the artist that's probably been shown more than anybody on that show, be partly because you're so prolific. And as I was kind of building that show out, I could always rely on an Ed Marola to help, you know, fill out the show because sometimes, you know, there you are. The first 80 days was every day 
And sometimes you're kind of looking for work that you can work with. And there's, okay, we got another Ed Marola. I can work with that. That's perfect. Uh, so you kind of helped make that happen too in your own way just by making a lot of cool art. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you and thank you. So, you're, you're welcome. Arundhun, any final thoughts here as we wrap up the show? No, it's been a, it's been a pleasure and an honor to have such a celebrated figure uh, talk with us. Thanks, Ed. Thank you very much. And I'm just, now I open the, the phone to look at everyone here. Man, it's so many people. Hi, everyone. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Ed. And you don't know who we are and it means a lot, Ed, that you came on the show and joined us here. Do it again in a few months here. We can do it all over again and keep up the great work. And I'll be watching the show. And thank you, Runetune, as ever, for showing up. You know, as they say, 80% of life is showing up. So thank you. And thank you, everybody out there listening. And until next time, take care. Thank you.